0: (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome back to the Forgecast, my name's Sam Towns I'm Alex
1: Norton And I'm Jamie Bishop the Sausage Man
0: That's right, we've got another awesome interviewee, this time an interviewee who won his place on the Forgecast from the last Forgecast competition, but before we get to him, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor.
2: This week's Forgecast comes to you thanks to Weber Abrasives, the Aussie abrasive supplier of choice. Give Rob a call or visit webers.net.au when you're next stocking your shop, and of course, don't forget to visit the handsome fellas at Nordic Edge. Suppliers of all the very best toys and supplies for knife makers in Australia and international. Check them out stock up today at nordicedge.com.au.
0: That's right. Thank you very much for coming on, Jamie. We probably would have had you even if you hadn't have put in an awesome tomahawk, but you did. Uh, <laughs> And uh, hopefully, you know, you, you feel that this is a, a sufficient consolation prize for not quite coming into the top three. Oh no, the other guys won fair and square, so that's I appreciate coming on. No worries. Well, uh, we'll get round to you in a second, but what have you been up to this week, Alex?
2: I uh, Finally finished the Heirloom Dagger. Finally. Yes, it looks fantastic. <laughs> it feels fantastic to hold. It's really nice. The, the balance point is right on the guard, uh, like below the guard where the, the index finger sits. It's just right there. Um, yeah. And so it just, it feels magnificent to hold. Um, and yeah, it's finally done. I could almost weep. It's finally
0: done. <laughs> I think one of the saddest things about us living so far away from each other, not only do we not get to spend time together, but I don't get to hold the work
2: that you make. So I yeah. only get to see photos. It sucks. Um, the other thing that's finally done is the sax puko combo. Um, mm. I have the very complicated not ornate at all but complicated sheath uh that holds two knives <laughs> two very different size knives um actually the the die is over there drying on my leather working bench you yeah, so know yeah. it's um it i hate leather work at the best of times trying to do something that holds something that's got like a 35 centimeter long blade um mm-hmm. next to something that's got a 12 centimeter blade um, and hold them neatly so you can easily access both of them is it, I know there's there's plenty of experienced sheath makers out there that would be able to just do that in their sleep but I hate leather work so much that it's just been a nightmare.
0: And is that scout carry or? It's scout carry. Yeah and like making it scout carry is just that extra level of fuckery
2: Uh huh <laughs> um, Especially when it's that big although it is surprisingly light for such a big thing uh, it was actually my first time doing a, a full-length fuller on on something like that, and it's amazing how much lighter it makes it. Mm. it yeah, crazy, even width. even even a little fuller like that. I mean, because you, you think about there's there's so much of the blade that's not doesn't have the fuller on it, but that's where the bevel is, and it's quite thin there. So, um, mm. although he did wire it as a chopper, so it does have a uh, it fin- it rounds off to an apple seed, so it's flat grind, uh, full flat grind except for the last maybe centimeter of the edge um, which is seeded up so it's nice and strong but um, that feels great in the hand, you just want to hit things with it um, but I'm just, uh, yeah the, the sheath has been the biggest bugbear of that build um, and the rest of what I've been doing is working on those, uh, just some fancy folders um, after multiple attempts at trying to get a nice um, liner lock happening uh, I think I'm finally onto one it's <laughs> I mean making liner locks is easy making nice liner locks that feel nice to operate is a whole different thing and people who have been following my work for a while um know that that's that's what I'm all about so like a slip joint's easy to make making a slip joint that has a walk and talk that you could sit there and play with all day that's something else and so I'm I'm trying to do that with a liner lock and um this one's coming along just so nice. It's got ceramic um, ball-bearing washers in there, and um, it's got it's a, it's a flipper, so it's got a tail at the back that you can flick <laughs> with your index finger and it'll just pop open. Um, and, yeah, it's coming along great. Having the right tools for the job has made the, the process a lot nicer and more precise and not sort of just winging it with things, but I'm really looking forward to how this is going on. I'm playing it safe. It's just a mono-steel blade this time around the handles are just going to be g10 i've got some 10 mil um like coyote tan g10 that was sent to me by um uh, first degree forge actually Hmm. i'm not sure if it was him there was uh, him and a couple other people that sent me a a care package but in there was this great big piece of 10 mil g10 i'm like yeah that's gonna go on some folders (laughs) at some point yeah. Uh, but I've been hanging out for the right one. So because this is Planet Safe, G10's a really nice handle material if you need to drill a lot of holes in something and you're worried about stability. <laughs> mm. So um, the, the big challenge with this one is that it's fully disassemblable. You can even remove the liners from the scales. Everything. Mm. You can break it down into core parts. And I wanted to be able to do that on a liner lock, which is a complicated process. Yeah, and getting um, that
0: lock depth as well, because, like, you don't want the, the lock to go all the way over to the other side, but you also don't want it to right. be so shallow. Yeah, that's the just, trick is yeah. to
2: get, it's like, a 15-degree tilt on the bottom of the where the where the latch-up happens. So I've, I've been mm. making a lot of custom jigs and things, and uh, I want to be able to repeat what I've done again on a future knife, so I don't want it to just be sort of guesswork and hand-filing and, and all that. I want to have a repeatable process, so... I'm doing it in a very methodical way, and, and poor Francesco's been getting pestered with a lot of messages. <laughs> um, and same with Charles Pinar. suffering. Yeah, and, and Charles Pinar as well. They've both actually been really, really patient. None of them have even, like, they respond in a lot of voice messages, which is good because I can tell if they're getting frustrated. Um, <laughs> but, like, even Charles, I messaged him, and he's like, 6:30 AM his time he, he sends me this sleepy message and I hear the sleepy voice and I'm like oh no he's gonna hate me for bugging him <laughs> with questions and he's like no you just do this man you just you can take this and do this and <laughs> so it's been really really good to have access to people that are willing to help like that so big shout started, out to those I've, guys
0: I've started to notice the better the knife maker you become the more likely you are to send voiced messages <laughs> yeah that's, that that must be it. This is this common theme that I'm seeing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So my my workshop's really noisy at the moment because my wife's also working. So normally I would stop using machines to operate my phone, but now yeah. when I'm I stop using machines, she slips in to start using machines. So people send me voice messages. I have to run out of the shed to listen to them. Yeah. Uh, if you send them, it sounds like
0: Neil sending them when he's in the, when he's in the yeah, shop. Yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, it's um, yeah, it's it's just a a change. I I might start doing voice messages, but I I probably won't. I usually am typing things that you don't want to be heard saying out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My song of the week is actually a song out of frustration. I have uh, playlists that are based on moods that I'm in. Um, All the playlists on my MP3 player. It's like if I'm in a a mood for this, I'll, I'll have a playlist for that mood and that. And I've just had a few people just being really rude lately, just mm. doing things that have just annoyed the shit out of me. Um, and so I've been listening to a lot of angry playlists. <laughs> As you do. Uh, it's it's a whole separate topic, ra- uh, ranting about rude customers. Um, but it's, yeah. The, the song is actually from uh, Scissor Sisters, and it doesn't sound like a, a mean song until you listen closely to the <laughs> lyrics. the song is I can't decide Um, actually it's a remarkably upbeat song until you listen to what they're saying (laughs) yeah it's fantastic I love that song really really good song so um yeah I thought it's about time Scissor Sisters got some uh uh, representation on the playlist (laughs) fair enough how about you Big Fudge what have you been up to
0: oh man I I feel terrible um (laughs) It's like my answer is literally nothing shop-wise, um, other than what I did in the live stream, like on the weekend, which I can't even. I made forged more for graver blanks. That's what I did. Um, but yeah, I've I've been um, bouncing in and out of doctors' offices and specialists and stuff like that. I've been struggling with some stuff uh, with my health and diabetes and all that kind of stuff. Getting on new healthcare plans and medications and a bunch of stuff, so I've been really distracted, and in the time that I've had at home, I've found myself getting distracted, uh, basically staring off into space, <laughs> just not, not with it at all, um, and I'm I'm slowly coming out of it, you know, I'm trying to force myself to get back to work, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a rough couple, of, uh, rough couple of weeks, but, um, I, I did have my, uh, new employee over for more training and he's he's doing two days next week uh, I'm hoping to do a batch of hammers tomorrow um I was meant to do it today but I had to go get tested for a bunch of stuff <laughs> get blood tests and stuff done um so uh yeah that'll be my plan for tomorrow and I've also got to I've still got to wire up that PID I still need, still need to do that call with you I keep forgetting yeah I, get that I've, sorted. Yeah, I forget a lot of stuff um
2: also good for cooking cheeseburgs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just good for lower cooking. Lower it cuts. down into the kiln. Close the door.
0: Yeah. That's it. But uh, yeah, having that done will mean that I can get all the gravers heat treated uh, reliably, which is what I want it for. Mostly. I've also been suffering with a cold. It's been really annoying because it's like one of those colds that's not really bad. It's just long suffering. Lingering. Yeah, that's it. It's just no. subtle background noise.
2: <laughs> Don't you go getting the Rona on me.
0: No, no. WA is Rona-free, thankfully. mm mm-hmm. <sighs> um, But yeah, so unfortunately not much to update on on that side of things. Uh, in days to come, I hope to yeah get some more hammers smashed out and I want to start working on the Viking Sword again. Um, I've still got two Daggers orders that I've had for like, sitting in my backlog for like six months and I haven't even started them yet I need to really get a start on those um, and I need to start thinking about stocking up for Perth Knife Show next year in February because if I don't start now I won't have anything mm. <laughs> still waiting on my Versaflow apparently got shipped last week so I'll probably get it on Monday next week which I'm really looking forward to
2: oh yeah uh, I didn't tell you I had the address rerouted to my place <laughs> that makes sense yeah right <laughs> you know, going to see a video of you like, Hey guys, look, i got my new verse <laughs> It's got a big Sam written on it with yeah. the, like, the S backwards. That's it. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, my song of the week this week um, is actually a cover. Um, it's one that I heard, I you know, I, I do the whole YouTube playlist, like, just, you know, recommended for you. And because I listen to so many uh, sea shanties and stuff like that, so occasionally I get, like, marching songs. And also, I listen to a lot of country, and it turned out that there was a country singer by the name of Corblund who did a song called I Want to Be in the Cavalry. Um, but it wasn't his song that I actually really liked. His song is, you know, uh, Confederate, you know, like, U- U.S. Uh, Civil War style, because it's country. Um, and it's very, it's got that very kind of, um, U.S. vibe, but it was, there was a cover done by Seth Statton Watkins, whose channel is Seth Statton on YouTube. Um, and it's called I Wanna Be in the Cavalry. And it is fantastic. He's an Irishman and the accent, and it's acapella, um, it's all sung acapella. Sounds like Napoleonic era, like, um, you know, British marching song. It's mm. amazing. Um, Makes me want to join the cavalry. <laughs> 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 Suddenly I'm dreaming of building cavalry sabers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic cover, especially like just the, a, the acapella, the accent and all that kind of stuff. It really uh, firmly cements it in that kind of um, Napoleonic era, Britain kind of vibe that I love because I'm a massive fan of like the Sharp series and Flintlock rifles and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Sharp I want to be in the cavalry. Is a good series of books. Fantastic series of books, and also a good TV series. Yeah, Sean Bean. Yeah, in one of the only roles where he doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, I have the whole thing, whole lot on DVD. I need to go rewatch it again, again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's me. But uh, now to move to our wonderful guest, Mr. Jamie. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you going? Not too bad. Um, so, what have you been
1: up to this week? Well, I've had a very um exciting week <laughs> um, in the in regards to the fact that um, I was uh, making a knife for the Nordic edge ch- destruction challenge and um, ended up destructing my own hand with it in the drill press so yeah is that really one of such, the requirements man. not not one of the requirements no so I just um, I just missed a step you know didn't drill the handle scales and just got it a little bit sharper than I probably should have and it and it jumped in the drill press and jagged and caught me and and yeah surgery and skin grafts and all that later it's been a bit exciting so but it's good news it's it's all all the surgery went well skin grafts are going good and i'm on the mend and i've just got to not uh i've got to sit still long enough to let it heal and not do something <laughs> stupid
3: <laughs> which uh
1: yeah. which you know when when you you know when you're Got the jitters because you're sitting still for five minutes. You know, it's sort of it's hard, but um, you know, I'll I'll get there. I've have n- never ne- let you, uh,
0: never known you to let the grass grow under you, so I can imagine it's uh, <laughs> it's it's chafing at the bit to
1: oh, get yeah. back out there. Yeah, that's it, totally, totally. So, um, but anyway, you know that that was that was coming straight back off the the, the you know forging the tomahawk, but you know back to back, finished that and went straight into the chopper, and then and and then forging the the, uh, the Tomahawk off installing that power hammer that I got so it's just yeah, yeah it's been a busy couple of months so um, yeah. yeah
0: and so yeah, for like for those of our audience who don't know who you are and like what you do um, could you give us like a basic rundown you know you, you get up to do, a
1: lot so <laughs> do, you want, do you want the sausage man origi- origin story do it <laughs> okay so I'll, I'll go back to the uh, so I was born at an early age
3: Uh <laughs> Okay, no, I'll sorry, back. sorry, <laughs> <want> <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
2: That's it's an old joke. One day somebody opened the skin of a Kransky and out <laughs> came Jamie. Oh yeah, the totally so um, fully formed.
1: So the long of the short of it, when we used to go camping, a couple of mates and me, we'd just bring along the the weirdest, you know, dodgiest Eastern European sausage we could find, <laughs> and we'd all chop it up and and you know, you know, you chop it up in a small little circle so that you could all have a go at it. So every time I go camping I take sausage along with me because it's just nature now that I do it and I went to Ironfest in 2018 and I just noticed that a lot of the guys weren't getting away from their stalls you know like single blacksmith there forging he's got a few things on his table so he's keeping an eye on the punters so they don't you know run off with his stuff and you know and again they want to be attentive so they get sales so I just did a cook up and went around and, and fed all the guys there and and it was a hit you know that they loved it and it was literally given an ultimatum by a couple of the boys going that was awesome but if you come back next time make sure you got your fry pan otherwise we'll run you out of town you know like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so um and then that was that was at iron fest but that was with the artist blacksmiths association and again you know Corin and those guys were there so so Artist blacksmiths and and a lot of the knife making guys are there. Creative men were there, and and a few of those guys. And again, Nordic Edge now. Um, but it, you know, so it just sort of. And then I went to the next event, and like us, you know, they said bring your fry pan, so I did. And you know, it eventually got to the fact that we're at Sydney Knife Show, and I was running around with a fry pan, and everyone's just like, that's that's incredible. And I realized that it was a thing. You know, you don't get an opportunity that often in your life that you just it falls in your lap yeah and yeah. again it's a it's a stupid thing i'm a dickhead with a fry pan you know what i mean like that's that's all it is <laughs> I, I, but, I will argue you are not just a dickhead with a fry well, pan
0: you are a staple but, but of the the, community bare,
1: the bare bones of it is that's what it is however um you know it, it's it, it's on I'm, I'm you know doing a service to the to the industry whether it's blacksmithing or knife making and I'm going around and making sure that people are looked after when particularly you're at a knife show you might you might only get 5 minutes to go go to the bathroom let alone get a feed and quite often they're bringing round you know dry sandwiches from the cafeteria <laughs> and this and that and everyone just like and again I sort of got clue in didn't deliver the sausages at the same time as the the cafeteria food was coming but everyone just gets a couple of pieces and they have a bite and it's just something that to, to push them through the day and it tastes awesome too and you know everyone just enjoys it
2: again and sorry the um the foreign listeners to the the forge cast of which it's about half the audience uh, may not be super familiar with your presence but you are a absolute staple the last few years at any sort of uh, knife making community gathering or or event whether it be online or physical um, and outside of the Forge cast I'm kind of infamous for not being involved in any of the community stuff, um, and, but uh, I've, I'm finding it interesting to learn about your backstory because it's like born out of trying to care for other members of the community. My first run-in with you was you actually messaged me because I was struggling to find 15 and 20, and this person had never spoken to me before. Is like, hey, I'll send you a chunk, a heap of bandsaw blade <laughs> cutoffs, and I'd, I didn't even know who you were at the time. Um, so it's just the people who, are, like people in Australia, in the knife man community that listen to this show are already going to know who you are, but people who may not, um, from outlo- outside, uh, you know, I know, Kyle listens to this show and even Kyle Roy has been served sausage off of your fry pan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle, it's just,
1: and again, one of my, uh, one of the, 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 lads that, um, beat me in the, in the Tomahawk challenge, you know, um, the old hammer and scales there, he made a, yep. he made a war hammer. again i made a warhammer with him at bruce beamish's workshop but he happened to finish his because mine's still sitting in a pile of dust in my workshop however (laughs) we were we were eating kransky off the spike so you know and kyle roe got in that action had a breastplate on and all the stuff you know and it was just it's again it's it's just it's just a bit of fun um people are getting fed and it's And it's so many bad dick jokes. You know, at the end of the day, you know know, how many times can you say, "Oh, you know," like you know Mert Tansy for one stands up there and bellows across the room, "I want your sausage in my mouth," you know. Like,
2: (laughs) and again, get your meat out. It's
1: it's totally above board, but everyone goes, "What did he just say?" (laughs) You know, and, and 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 every other iteration on that that you can imagine happens, but it's just a bit of fun. And, um, you know, and again, we're all knife makers. We're all, you know, trying to relive that, you know, 14, 15-year-old boy running around the bush chopping things thinking we're Rambo. And, <laughs> and so, you know, dick jokes are the, you know, part of the, part of the, you know, part of the cause, you know? Like, it's...
0: I mean, yeah, the, year, the year that I went to Sydney Knife Show, I think uh, Darlu did more laser engraving that, that year than any other year. <laughs> my uh, my
1: Leatherman Waves got a... Uh, old, Dick mark on it <laughs> to the point where my daughter was using the knife the other day and went, "Dad, look at this on your knife," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Sydney knife show. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's, it's you got to have a laugh. You got to have a bit of fun with it. And I think um, you know, I've I've struggled a bit in the last few years, um, and I think that giving to others is really helped me in my uh personal struggles because it's it's one of those things that and again it's it's just it's just silly you know i'm giving people you know sausage cooked sausage you know that's all it is but it it somehow brings a lot of joy to people and and you know laughter with the 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 funny jokes and the innuendo and all that sort of stuff but that that pays me back tenfold um you know, with me, you know, and and again... but this is
0: the thing, like, at the end of the day, one of the reasons that you're so well-loved in the community, and I can say that with absolute confidence, I know that if I asked literally anyone in the community here in Australia, it was like, you know, what do you think of Jamie? They'd be like, oh, he's a fucking legend. You know, yeah, you're just a dude hanging around with Kransky, but you're doing that out of, like, there's no necessity for you to do it, right? Like, it's not like you're getting paid, like, thousands of dollars to, to run around and do this kind of stuff. You're doing it because you love it. And it's always obvious. Like every time that I've seen you at a show or anything like that, you're always walking around with a smile on your face. You're always, you know, just like throwing a a pan under someone's nose and going, come on, you know, you want to, it's literally that creates the environment that, you know, that you want to see. Like it literally creates that happiness. You are literally a ball of happiness just walking around the show. And, you know, I love to see that. It's one of the reasons why I've always really admired you is because, like, you're not out there to kind of self-promote and stuff like that. Um, you, you get promoted by being who you are, but, you know, it's very obvious that you just like being around this community, and I just love to see that. And it's what I want to see in the community. Like, I, I love to, to see that. It's like something that me and Alex are always constantly harping on on the, the show is trying to create that community. And it's, it's little stuff like that. Like, you know, a dude who really likes Kransky walking around the show handing out pieces
2: to the makers. And it doesn't even require you to be there to actually get, get a, you know, a smile or a laugh out of it. Like, I was... Um glued to my phone watching all the live streams during blade symposium and i'm like oh there he goes (laughs) (laughs) or even like i'll i'll be every time we do a damascus day at my place using the press we we have a cook up and cook sausages and i'll do a post about it and then jamie will comment like sausage man approves (laughs) 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 it just makes us laugh. (laughs) hey we got that's (laughs) that's it man but that's what it's
3: about
1: it's just it's just having a laugh and a bit of bit of fun you know like so much of what's um what's happening in, in the world today is, is just, um, a downer. Yeah. And, and again, that's, and and again, that's the part of what I miss about going to the shows at the moment Mm. is, is not getting that again. I I mean, selfishly, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. And I I just, you, you know, it's, it's an opportunity that I've been given and, you know, I've run with it and, you know I don't know if everyone ever gets that opportunity but I, I recognize that this is a thing even though it's pretty silly but it may not it, I may not ever get another chance at something like that so why not you know why not do I it mean, It comes back to um, I
0: mean it's a, a phrase that you come across in in um, philosophy which is egoistic altruism um, the idea that true altruism doesn't really exist we all do things we'd all do good things to serve ourselves in some way, right? Like we, and you, you, you donate to charity because it makes you feel good about yourself. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that's a negative thing. I think that the people who embrace that and, you know, choose to continue being altruistic and recognizing that, yeah, I get a benefit out of this. You, you know, go around to a show, you make people happy and all this kind of stuff. And in return, you feel, uh, you know, that, that sense of of fulfillment. You feel that sense of, uh, you know, like, uh, engagement. It's, fantastically important that you feel that you are, you know, you are appreciated, because without that, you wouldn't continue to be altruistic. That's, you know, like, self-defeating. But even outside of what you do with the all that kind of stuff, like, that's just one facet of what you do. Like, Alex and I both follow you on Instagram, we see your work with TAFE. Um, You know, I personally have experienced your generosity, Alex has experienced your generosity. I have heard many accounts of you like and i've seen you on facebook and instagram and stuff like that always offering people advice and help in the and community sausage. and sausage yeah <laughs> but you know like it it goes so much further beyond just that gimmick um and i think that that's something that you know needs to be recognized is that you know it's people like yourself who you know like you're not touting yourself as a mastersmith you're not you know running around you know trying to tell everyone you're better than everyone (laughs) no but like you're not you're not one of those guys that's wandering around drumming on his chest you know pretending that you know you're better than everyone you're literally just out there going hey guys i love this this stuff if you want to have a go here's how you can do it and i will help you do it
1: um falling into the teaching role so often has been perfect for it yeah well and that's the thing i mean i i've been teaching with uh nordic edge for you know what would have been 12 months except that we ran into, uh, lockdown and, um, <laughs> and I guess it's, it's all coming off the back of, I, in 2017, I was working in the family business and this is, a, this is definitely a segue. So, um, but I was working in the family business, uh, as an electrician, wasn't having a good time. I wasn't seeing Idaho and my brother in law, um, you know, and, as a side thing, I decided with a mate of mine who was going, we went and walked the Kokoda track and mm. it was, had to be the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> it's and, no short walk. <laughs> no. And you know, a hundred Ks, 6,000 meters of uh, elevation and, and de-elevation. Um, and it it was tough. And I got, I got through it and I, I, I sort of got, halfway through and i wasn't sleeping properly and you know you're trained to walk but you don't train to sleep with your gear and all that sort of stuff so Mm. i don't sleep at the best of times and and it was just it was just tough and so i i also had a really bad reaction to the anti-malaria drugs Mm. and so it 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 scrambled scrambled my gray matter a bit you know like i was a bit messed up and um you know it was an awesome experience to do that because i'd wanted to do that for a few years i heard about i was working out in the mines in arnhem land and heard about these guys hauling the 25 pounder guns over the owen stanley rangers you know to to push back the japanese and i went Mm. i've got to go and have a look at that that's incredible (laughs) so i went and i stood on the isarava battlefield for anzac day 2017 which was 75 years after the initial conflict and so you know and they had a lot of dignitaries there and Petty Cosgrove was there and I think you know a couple of politicians like chief of the army and maybe who was it the, the opposition minister like you know at the time and and so I, I came back and my head wasn't in the game at all like having trouble with, with with the business and then coming back and then going my head is not in the game at <laughs> all anymore My business partner and my brother-in-law, like there was three of us, you know, and they just went, dude, what's going on? You're not, you're not, you're just not with it anymore. And, and I went, yeah, you're right. I'm not. And, and then my other half sort of sat me down and just said, look, you know, take a break. Um, you know, have some time off. And the other two partners said, look, have some time off, get your head straight, come back. And my partner went, "Do you really want to be doing this anymore?" And I went, "You know, no." And she said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "When I was when I was applying for apprenticeships when I was back in the '90s, I applied for a blacksmith's apprenticeship, but there's only three of them going in '91, 90, '92, and I didn't get it. You know, and I said, I really want to do that. And then you know, so having a bit of time off, I um found Everly Works and went and did a class with Matt Mewburn and you know, and then did that. And then there was a bit of time. And then the next thing I did was go on to the blade symposium. Hmm. So, and so once I went to the blade symposium and met all these guys, that's where my, um, inclination to give back because I decided this is my tribe. This is my community. I'm gonna give everything I can to make sure that this community works, keeps going, because it's my brotherhood, and I wanna mm. want to be a part of it. And the only way I can see that being a part of that is by giving everything I've got to it. And again, like, you know, uh, people see me, Sausage Man, this, that, and the other. Like, it, it was a while on, and I posted up, like, I don't post up every knife a mate, because mm. I don't post up every disaster, and okay, maybe I should, just to give, you know, like, encouragement to other people, but Mate, first knife, I, that. <laughs> no, for sure, but I posted up a knife, and Bruce Barnett went, finally, he can make a knife, you know, like, you know how, you know how salty Bruce is, you know, he's just yep. he's like, and I'm like, yeah, well, I can, man, like, nearly 30 years as a tradie, I've got a few skills, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm an electrical fitter mechanic, so we did machining and all kinds of stuff when I did my trade, and I got, you know, uh, industrial electronics and all this stuff, so that's, that brings the other part where I've got people from you know all over the world messaging me about VFDs and this that and the other <laughs> asking questions about stuff because it's it's what I do. and again, mm. I don't do it every day now but again I do it every day now. And when you' when you're doing a job for someone and you know you're making lightning go through wires and the, the thing on their ceiling glows, it's a miracle but people <laughs> don't care because it's mm. been happening for 100 years, and they just go, yeah, whatever, it's good on you. Yeah. Like, plumbers get paid more, because people don't want to touch someone else's feces, you know you know what I mean? Like it's... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but you know what I mean, like, electrical stuff's not, it, no one cares anymore, it's not a miracle, but mm. it, it kind of is. You gotta, And again, you're dealing with theories. We don't, still don't know what the hell the stuff is, we just know that we can manipulate it in a certain manner and make it work, and it does. But for someone to go, yeah, I know what that is. It's like, no, you don't. Because our the electrical theory we learn at TAFE is the opposite to the actual theory of electron flow. You know, it goes from positive to negative. Well, it actually goes from negative to positive. Like, it's just a mess. But it works. So we just keep doing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as
3: long as you it's know, testable so and, and repeatable. We're, exactly.
1: We're exactly. And And so because it's not broke, we don't fix it. But, you know, it's, again, because we're not, We're just electricians running wires and connecting things. And it goes, we go, cool, no problem. We're not the scientists trying to reinvent it, so we don't need to know the full theory of it.
3: Hmm. And And I
0: mean, there's there's something to be said about the metallurgical studies, uh, you know, and that side of things as well. We know quite a bit about metallurgical studies and stuff like that. We know a lot about how the the atomic makeup of, of metals. But there are still some things that are in, you know a grey area where we're not entirely sure why certain things happen, but they happen because, you know, we, we can test the results. Um, and you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. But Anyway, um, yeah, I know, no, I,
1: I'm going to interrupt for two seconds. Cause I just realized no, we didn't do my song of the week. <gasps> mm-hmm. We didn't skipped over it. We did. And I, you know, I'm happy to, cause I, I will talk forever, but, um, <laughs> so my song of the week was, um, uh, representative of our our lockdown is uh, chemical imbalance by the Porkers, mm. right? And it's uh, it's off the album Hot Dog Dackery. and uh, <laughs> how the, fitting. The, 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 <laughs> and again, I didn't realise that till I just looked it up. This like I just double checked it and went, oh yeah, yeah. And they're uh, they're a Newcastle band. I've been following them since the late nineties they're old boys now, but you know, it's in that, that scar genre, you know, area seven, those sort of things. And they yes. get, they go hard. And I've, uh, been in many a mosh pit dancing to that song. And, um uh, <laughs> and it just, it suits my, uh, mood this week, you know, with my, uh, gammy hand and everything else. So enjoy. Yeah. And I mean,
0: we, we can use that as a, as a segue to go to, um, your inspiration this week as well. Like, uh, we, we always ask our, uh, our interviewees, someone who's been inspiring them, I know you have more than one, and you know, that <laughs> I'm interested to <laughs> well, hear. Well,
1: well these, these two go together. Um, my first one is Mr. Riley Burns, who is another contributor to uh, the, yes. the knife making. Um, he was instrumental in me actually getting that power hammer. Um, right. um, he knew of that power hammer's existence before I did, and his, uh, his godfather works in the workshop next door to where um the power hammer was so because of lockdown i couldn't go and get it he went and negotiated it for me and he's been running around getting machining done again his godfather did all the machining for the parts that were were busted in it and um so yeah so mr riley burns he's uh bespoke bespoke crafts burns bespoke crafts on instagram and the other guy who has just blown me away with untold amounts of information about that power hammer is is Mr. Mark Krauss. He's the uh, hammer whisperer on Instagram. And he has sent me a, an encyclopedia of Britannica amount of information about the parts in that hammer and how to rebuild it and how the valving works and all the processes involved and how to set every possible thing known known to to humankind about that hammer and because it's it's a bit of a frankenhammer because the bottom quarter where the drive is from the photos he said is all massy um you know belt drives massy all the oilers are massy the oil pumps massy but everything in the top three quarters is all um similar to a nazelle b3 and so with his help you know i was able to get it going and even the point where i'm pretty sure i just messaged him going hey i've got this problem what do you think and it must have been like two o'clock in the fucking morning over there and he's just gone (laughs) he started messaging me and then try this do this do this and just not one message not hey just try this and leave me alone 45 messages later i'm still getting messages from this guy what about (laughs) this do that try this and he didn't stop he wanted me to get it done.
0: Yeah. From, from memory, uh, when Alex Steele went over to the, U- the
1: US early
0: in his uh, YouTube career, he did a 36-hour f- shift <laughs> with him working on Hammers. <laughs> like, he just oh, went non-stop
1: for, like, 36 hours. Just, so it doesn't surprise me that he was up at like, 2 a.m. <laughs> I, I owe this guy, mate. Cause, and, and his whole attitude, again, this is what I love about this community is... I want more than than anything in the whole world to see your hammer going and working properly, mm. and yeah. that is his attitude. And so, me being a custodian of a, a you know a nearly a hundred year old hammer, um, and and guys like this are just going here's everything you need to know about keeping that thing going and making it work. And um, so I'm thankful for, to him as well for that. Excellent, brilliant.
2: So we um, speaking of blacksmithing equipment another question we like to ask our our guests is to um, well we always talk about how your first anvil finds you it's not the other way oh definitely um so so we want we want to hear the story tell us about your anvil okay
1: so my first anvil um it's quite a story are you ready oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) always so so my neighbor out the front and he built the house that i live in they subdivided grandma's block and um and so we um we've sort of got this relationship where i think i get along better with with old mate than he does with his son-in-law but anyway that's that's beside the point but um he he used to travel a lot caravan get up there and he'd go out west and i just said to him look mate i know you travel around a lot if you ever happen to see an anvil let me know and it was it wasn't even a week later he comes back to me i found an anvil i'm like you haven't gone away and he's like doesn't matter i found one and it <laughs> went, and it was his his sister's husband's cousin's nephew like you know this this string of people but it was it was about 30 minutes away up in um in Morisset. And um, I went up there and I had a look at this anvil and it was beaten up. It had chips out of it and this, that and the other. But the old girl that was there, the old fella had passed away and she's like, I'm just selling off his bits and pieces. So had a look at that and then there was an old lathe, you know, an old Mars um, Great Scott lathe and then a big drill press like an Ensign drill press like, and it would have been slack belt drill press back in the day. Um, and so I looked at all this stuff, and she sort of went, you know, 500 for the lathe, 2 250 for the drill press, and 100 bucks for the anvil. And I bought a few other bits and pieces because they were collectors of stuff. I got a few um, glass insulators and a bit of copper sheet that they had rolled up there. And and I got home, and then I calculated it all out, and I went. I think I bought a $1,000 anvil and got all this free stuff, you know, like... <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I said, you sure? And she's like, yep, yeah, that's all I want for it. And, you know, so I... I over a couple of weeks got all that stuff out because it was just hard because the lathe, I was dragging it across plywood flooring that was collapsing as we were dragging it, you know. Just this dodgy piece together shed. But anyway, so I had this anvil and, you know, it's a bit bit sway back and, and it's this and that but it was a hundred dollar anvil i'm like yeah whatever you know it's an anvil i'm starting to forge stuff i'm really enjoying it made a you know made a nine kilo gas bottle forge and, and i got into it but then i um i took it to an artist blacksmith's event and um graham askew was there the Anvil whisperer and he sort of mm-hmm. licked the side of it and went oh yeah that's a peter wright <laughs> and it's pre you know whatever it's one of the early ones because so th- there's a mark on it and, and it's it's like O, U, and then, like, T. Like, that's all that's on there, plus the 100 weight on the other side. And he goes, oh, that's the, that's the solid rod. The O, U, and, you know, like, so, yeah, it's 100% Peter Wright, the feet of Peter Wright, and I'm like, okay, so that's a, that's a 100 kilo Peter Wright anvil.
2: be interesting to know the story of how a Peter Wright anvil ended up in the middle of nowhere Australia. Oh,
1: well, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're around, but, um, and again, I'm pretty sure that this this hundred kilo peterite anvil has been on that old ensign drill press because there's a drill circle the smile Oof. of doom on the top of the anvil and like it's just just all of the horrible things that you find but oh, yeah you know, I haven't I haven't brought you know I haven't um, welded on it or done anything because I'm like you know I've got other anvils now you know like so I have another one that was probably 150 kilos that's that's a lot worse condition than that one cost me 250 bucks but you know like i've got i've got a nice 70 kilo Nordic edge anvil now so mm. plus a uh, dwyer's Farrier's anvil so you know i'm sort of got too many anvils as it were no such thing tre-
2: <laughs> tre- tre- treasures as my wife calls <laughs> <laughs>
3: them <laughs>
2: treasures yes, we're always talking to uh, people who are just getting into the craft and they're m- bemoaning the fact that it's so difficult to find your first anvil and that whole journey of finding your first anvil and we always end up trying to explain to them that it'll get to a point where you've got you realize you've got too many anvils <laughs> it's just yeah. they start building up and i was making the joke to my mate broden because he just got a new uh log splitter like an 18 ton log splitter that he's turned into a press and we need to lift it up um by about thirty centimeters off the ground, um, and I'm like, "Oh, I'll just prop it up on three anvils." <laughs> it, it's kind of like steel
0: when you, when you start out like making knives and stuff like that. Everyone's like, "How do you find scrap steel to make knives with?" And and like, you give it a year, and suddenly you have so many friggin' leaf and coil springs piled Files. up in various corners that it just appear.
1: <laughs> oh, look! It, you know, and and again. You come to my house, some people come to my house and just go, oh my God, this is awesome. It's a junkyard, right? There's shit everywhere. It's stuff piled up, old machinery, you know, like I've got two cold saws, I've got three bands, like horizontal band saws, you know, I've got wood, I've got stuff everywhere. And again, because I'm an electrician, half of the stuff never works. And I go, (laughs) oh yeah, it's cheap enough, I'll just make it go this this lockdown has been great there's been about a dozen machines that are now working. <laughs> i even you know like i got three phase on but i'm on a battle axe so i had to dig a trench 50 meters to get the three phase on into my shed because i didn't need it in the house so i just then you know reverse wide use the shed mains to power the house and and then mm. just you know left it single phase so but you know i finally got all the three-phase wiring done and you know i've got a big old three-phase compressor that i had so i've got it plumbed in and now i've just got to get the the airlines out to everything so i've got shop air, and it's it's kind of been good with lockdown but you know it's kind of been a bit crazy just yeah well
2: you gotta look at look at the silver lining i suppose indeed indeed (laughs) but um
1: yeah so i do enjoy restoring old machines but um, I also, you know, get really frustrated with stuff because you just find things. Like, I'll give you a prime example. The other day, I was at um, Dimitri Popoff's DP Custom Blades doing, yep. wiring up his shed. So, legitimate job, wiring up his shed, did all the stuff. And then we plugged in his power hammer, you know, put in a 20-amp supply, plugged in his power hammer, and it's tripping the breaker. And I'm thinking, oh, I've done something wrong here. Backwards and forwards. No, the guys that he bought the power hammer off second hand, so not, not Bruce... It, it, when we pulled it apart, the main bearing on the, the drive pulley had all this grease. Like just bucket loads of grease. And I'm pretty sure mm. this guy was greasing the daylights out of this 15 kilo Anyang because it was overheating. So he just kept greasing and greasing and greasing and greasing. And what it was, was one of the, one of the capacitors was failing. So the motor was overheating. And so then they replaced both the capacitors, but they put the capacitors in back to front. (laughs) So then it was tripping. So I finally took it home and went, it's got to be a bearing or something. I was going to pull it apart. And I checked all the bearings and I did all the stuff and I went through everything. I went, everything's perfect. It's just not running. And then I went, I wonder if they they stuffed up the capacitors. Mm. So I swapped the capacitors and the thing purred like a kitten. Worked perfectly. And I was just like oh my god, so the guys had just not double checked which capacitor went to which leg of the the windings and I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's those stupid things that just, like, I didn't make the mistake, but I was the one that owned that problem, and again now I've got a story about getting it done but, you know what I mean, it's just and there's Dimitri looking at me like, did you stuff something up with the wiring, you know, like (laughs) and, and again, his workshop his workshop is like he's gone from a single car garage to three car garage, mm. and like his his property magnificent. But uh, and I can't wait to see the knives he's going to make out of there now because it's just. But it's. I mean, he, he's it's, always it's, made insane knives. Oh no, no, exactly. But it's two pack epoxy floor. It's a mm. thousand downlights in the ceiling. It's like everything's precision. The and, dream, and, and I'm like. I'm a bit afraid if he ever comes over to my house and sees all my junk <laughs> everywhere, he's going to be like, yeah, this is a bit of a bit of a hobble here, mate. You know, because everything in his place is just immaculate. Perfect. Yeah, I used to
0: have that issue when I'd have, like, people want to go, hey, can I come over to the shop? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, you don't want to see my shop. And then I realised that I've, like, posted it to YouTube. So, like, literally anyone can see how much of a shit pile right. my fucking shop is.
1: But again, again, I, I went down to um, Steve Hogwood's uh 1910 ironworks and his his workshop when you walk inside there it is literally like you've gone into the 1800s there's just Mm. thousand sets of tongs and eight anvils and bellows and you know hand cranks and this and that and 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 it's just you just get there and just go geez i grew up in the wrong era you know like (laughs) you know it just felt like going home you know and it was just it's just perfect and even next door he's got a machine shop you know, mm. but he's he's got an old spring hammer in there now that he's got running in it, a couple of big old lathes and bits and pieces, you know, but I mean enough enough wrought iron to build a bridge from here to England, you know, like it's, <laughs> you know, it's sitting in his front yard, but you know, you just I don't know, what is it about us weird old guys that just love looking at rust, you know. <laughs> like <Yeah>. you
0: just... <laughs> I think I think it's just, you know, part of the part of the affliction of becoming a blacksmith. Yeah, it's but a um bit of, but on that fun, note you've it? um You've managed to meet quite a few people, like, you know, through your activities in the community, you've managed to make friends with a lot of makers and, you know... Uh, I, I think one of the one of the greatest ones is uh, your your friendship your ongoing friendship with uh, Michael Cthulhu. Uh. Yes, we would
2: actually, while we've got you cornered on the show, I kind of want to address these scandalous rumours that you two are actually related because you <laughs> look so damn similar. Oh, that was that was just something. There is a photo I I, I believe I
1: took it where I think. And now this is a funny one. It was Sydney, Knife show. Mike had been there. We did the, the the making big things class, and I was on that class. I paid paid to be there, and so I just got to hang out with Mike, and it was. He is such a really nice guy, you know, and he's a bit quirky and weird, like you would imagine Because <laughs> he's a bit, he's a guy that chops stuff. So eccentric, eccentric. Oh no, no, exactly. And he, but he will just if if you're gonna do something like I don't know if you. If you have a look at my, probably on Instagram, definitely mm. on Facebook, but probably on Instagram, Sydney Nice shows. So what are we saying? 2019 August. Uh, yeah, it was, I think it might have been eighteen. No, it's I think 19, it... nineteen. We had the nineteen show because it was the 2020
0: show that didn't go ahead. You know, because anyway. I went to the, I went to nineteen, so and he wasn't there. Hmm. Okay. It might
1: have been the year before. Anyway, we went to one of them, but he. um he, he is a vegetarian, so I yeah. was cooking these vegetarian sausages for him. He's a vegetarian out of spite, too. It's <laughs> it's, it's a long story. However, so he just goes, like, because I cook, cut up the sausages into little circles, you know, and he goes, just cook. He, he said, cook one whole. And I go, okay. So I walk up to him, and then he gets the sausage, and he just jams it down his throat. <laughs> and it sort of, sort of rattling around in his mouth but. He's, and I'm filming him, because he chewed me up and said, film it. And he's deadpan staring at me for a good minute. And I can see he's like, he's like, this isn't working. Like, you see it on his face. (laughs) This isn't working. What am I going to do? And he finally then sort of kicked it to one side and started chewing and then had a big gulp of his, you know, tea that he's got in that giant flask that he carries. And, you know, and it was just. And it just summed up the entire experience with Mike that he <laughs> he always goes for the quirky edge mm-hmm. to whatever he does. So and I can appreciate that because that's his thing,
2: you know. Definitely need to have him on the show at some point to talk about some of those crazy bills he does.
1: Well, mate, I'm talking to him again on Saturday, so I'll, um, we're no, doing the just... we're doing the announcement for the destruction test. So um, and again, he doesn't have to. He's got. No dog in the fight with this
2: thing, but he's just said, "Sure,
1: big choppy things, I'm there." So <laughs> you know, was... no
2: nobody is more qualified, I feel, to judge a competition about big choppy things than Michael Cazil. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, he he. Um, um.
0: On that note, I really loved your entry. I think it was last year where you uh, did your destruction test with your knife and then brought out the giant axe that you'd made. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: and just destroy the entire thing. Well, uh, uh,
1: the rumour out there is that that got me disqualified out of the competition. However, because I am uh, closely associated with Nordic Edge, I was never in the competition to start with (laughs) anyway. But... That was a good excuse for the boys to say, "Yeah, no, nah, he's disqualified because he used a uh, separate in- implement." But you know, yeah. like, what am I going to do? Get get in the road of a good story? Like, <laughs> no way. Well, see, what you should have done is
0: drill a hole in the back of that giant axe and make that the pipe hawk. <laughs>
2: it would have given you yeah. extra points. <laughs> Church warden pipe hawk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those well, who don't
0: know, this, this axe is like the, the size of Jamie. <laughs> it's huge. Bigger, and,
1: and it weighs a good 80 kilos too. It's, yeah. It's like oh, jeez. In that video, like, I'm going, Ugh! it's not for effect. That's the sound that my body makes <laughs> when I'm lifting this thing. And when it's moving, it's just going. Like it's, it's, yep. I had some guy comment the other day because I'd reposted it and Mike reposted it. And some guy goes, oh, the dickhead with the chandelier. And I'm like, Sh- where do you get chandelier from? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, anyway, uh, you know, you can't, you can't argue with the trolls on the internet because they're right, aren't they? You, you, know? you, don't, you don't feed the trolls. It's, you know, well-established.
2: Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's pretty the, funny, though. The, the, the yeah. I, I like I like to keep the trolls screaming. <laughs> <laughs> ups the, it ups the engagement. Uh, it's good for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh,
1: it's kind of special. Uh, I mean, it does slow me down a bit posting stuff sometimes because I'm just like, am I having a good enough day where I can deal with that kind of... Like, <laughs> some days I'm just like, I poke the bear. But, yeah. I poke the bear so hard, I'm like, I'm gonna get a ban if I keep going, so... <laughs> but, I mean, like, on that on that
0: subject, like, you are a fairly active social media user, and, um... Like, I mean, fairly active in comparison to myself, <laughs> like, uses it once a week. Um, but, you know, like, the, the thing is that you've become a recognised name in more circles than just the ones that you've been to in Knife Show, um... And I think the fact that you can have fun, like, the fact that you advocate for that, you know, kind of have fun, be stupid, you know, don't worry too much about being super serious all the time, is a fantastic uh, addition to, like, the community. Because we we get a lot of stuff of, uh, like, the ABS and all that kind of stuff, which is a fantastic uh, source of inspiration for, you know, improving fit and finish and for, you know, like striving for perfection but at the same time I think we lose sight of some of the fun like as you said we're all just kids running around in the bush trying to act like Rambo or trying to become you know King Arthur making swords and stuff like that um and I think we forget a lot of that when we get down to the nitty-gritty of uh of fit and finish and all that kind of stuff and we we forget that we got into this because we enjoyed
1: it I think that's important, mate. And I mean, having met some of the guys over there at Blade Show, it, it was quite an experience. But again, even if they're the judges for the awards there, you know, for the JS and, 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 and Master Smith sort of categories, again, at the end of the day, man, they're just guys like us that have just been around longer and. and you know done another hundred thousand pulls on the bloody piece of rhino wet you know like they're just (laughs) they're just and again they're 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 all good at what they do like don't don't get me wrong by saying that but i mean look at steve swartzer that guy just wants to have a joke non-stop and he's such a magnificent person and i'm i'm so glad i got to meet him and um and just have a laugh with him you know and he's I mean, he's a he, he's a he's a treasure, you know, for for the knife making industry. And again, he, he's yeah. over there in the states. But again, he's be more than happy to help anyone that that asked, you know, about a technique or a process to do with Canister Damascus. He'd spend an hour explaining something to you just so you got it right. Oh yeah, and and like you know, him and Dave Lish and you know, uh,
0: Jay Nielsen, and stuff like that. There are a bunch of guys out there who are trying to remind us that this is fun and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was more speaking to, like, there is a a, quite a large subset of the community that do kind of of get anal retentive about, you know, what is right and wrong, especially if you spend any time on Facebook, which I don't advise anyone do.
1: Uh, Oh, look, Uh, (laughs) I think, I think what it comes down to, mate, is that it's threefold. You get the people that, that think they know what's going on, but have never proved themselves. Mm. And they're beating their chest going, you're doing it wrong because, you know, I know better than you. But then when you actually get down to the brass tacks, it's only because they've, they've watched 52 YouTube videos about a thing and they just decide <laughs> your technique's wrong. But like they went to the University of, of Forged in Fire and majored in YouTube, you know, like, it, 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 and, you know, I, I remember it on, on the beginner group, one guy carrying on about you can quench a sword in between timber planks. And he was adamant of No, no. And, and again, and it was Kev Slattery that sort of dug down deep. Kev took it on board and just went mate, show me where you learnt that. And it was a video and it was just a poorly edited video. You, you didn't see the guy go into the oil for the quench, but you saw him come out and then the next scene was he put it into the timber. So this guy's just literally gone, you've come out of the forge and then the next thing he's seeing it's going into timber. But you saw it coming, dripping out of the oil for a half a second in the middle there. I guarantee I know which YouTuber it was too. <laughs> oh, and, and, and again, and again, cooling a, a sword in between timber to keep it straight, nothing yeah. wrong with it.
0: But oh, no, I've there, was just, it for it.
1: there was just a little piece of information there and this guy was adamant. But this guy's giving instruction to beginners on this is mm. how you do it, having never mm. done it.
2: Yeah. That's it's like, why I'm always advocating that you've got to learn the why. You can't just parrot things that you see or hear or read. You have to know why it works or doesn't work so that you can have that discussion with people. Oh, and, mm. and
1: again, I get it. You've learned something new or you're excited about it. You just want to share this excitement. I get it. But sometimes when you're arguing with a guy that's done it 10,000 times and you've watched a video about it and you're arguing with them, Again, if if this guy's sort of gone backwards and forwards three times, but that's why on some of the groups that the really good guys don't comment anymore because they're sick and tired of being told, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, when because mm. you know you, you you're making you know something like old saw blades. They're great to make knives out of, but you can't call them you know whatever steel you think they might be because that that that's what it was in the U.S. You know, mm. most of the big saw blades in Australia are probably ten seventy five, but mm. unless you get it tested, you just don't know. So you just say it's old saw blade, that, and that's that's all I'm ever happy with. I'm not like make as many knives out of it as you want. But
0: oh, yeah. Um, we, but we've when, famously we've famously oh, advocated the use and, of scrap and, steel
2: here on the show. <laughs> and, and yeah, again, with that it, and again, going I, to incredibly detailed lengths.
1: <laughs> and again, if you do some testing and you get you get get it hard, why not? just use mm-hmm. it I'm, av- I'm all for recycling but don't say it's a certain alloy of steel unless you actually have it tested and that's that's all i ever go just like you know dial it back a notch it's an old saw blade and it made this hard knife and it chops through this tree and it goes great good on you perfect
2: now speaking of sorry to cut you off but speaking of beginner questions we do actually have three listener emails that you can actually help us answer
1: no problem mate anytime
2: yeah so our first one's from mark howland and he says hey guys been loving what you both are doing lately i got a question for you about pattern welding i know there are a few well-covered ways to get patterns like ladder and raindrop and feather damascus but how do you research or come up with new patterns to try i've been scratching my head on how to get more complicated patterns with predictable results it's hmm. a very good question it is um I'll tell I mean, you one way that I know if you're looking for building patterns and that's to use different coloured plasticine. You was, roll it flat and you use it as your layers. The only thing you can't do with that is actually cutaways like you would do for laddering. It's very messy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, but it, it takes a lot of how, patience. However, that. if, if that's how you
1: want to do it, um, my mother was a potter and you can get some pottery tools that will gouge um, plasticine mm. and... Mm-hmm it will mimic a, you know, a, a grinding... A laddering cut. Yeah, or yeah. So you could definitely do
0: that. Oh, yeah. Um,
3: mm.
0: I mean, that's that's one way to, to play with ideas. I mean, most of the time when I'm doing Damascus, because, like, I'm not developing new patterns. Normally I'm copying patterns that I've seen and I'm trying to put my own spin on it. Uh, and very few patterns haven't been tried already, um, as far as I'm aware. There are guys like Mareko Malmasi who've done hours and hours and hours of video content on his Instagram to show how he goes through figuring out mosaic patterns and stuff like that. Kyle Roy has done videos on it. Uh, Steve Schwartzer regularly talks about doing um, canister welds and stuff like that. There are so many different makers out there who are going through all of their processes to make various forms of Damascus. Uh, and a lot of the time, if you learn a basic like premise, like if you learn how to make Crush W's, that is literally the opening stage to every explosion pattern mosaic and every, like, um, hyper-detailed mosaic that I've ever seen. Uh, it tends to start out as Crush Ws. So, um, you know, I, I, one of the things I would advise is looking at a lot of other guys' work and either asking them or looking through their content to see how if they've explained how they
1: do it. I'm pretty sure Mareko did... Uh, it was in his stories for a long time, but I think he's he's pinned that content on his Instagram and it was a pattern welded Wednesday mm. and he went through dozens and dozens of patterns. Yeah, I, I think that
0: I think they're in his archive. You can go to his page and find them.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're easily to find. You just gotta you just gotta spend a couple of minutes and search there. But I mean at the end of the day you're right, it's just W's and then it's it's stacking W's and then it's either twisting stack w's or it's um tiling you know multiple times but the other thing to to keep in mind too is it's not just you know three mil of of 1084 and three mil of 15 and 20 and then just doing that mm. you could go three pieces of 1084 and one 15 and 20 and two pieces of 1084 and 15 and two 15 and 20 and five 1084 but like you could just mix it up yeah, play with and, your and that, um... and that gives you, and then and then do crush Ws with that and then change it. And then when you when you stack and tile, you could also put, you know, if you want a darker, you could put sheets of, of carbon steel in between as well as you go. Yeah. It, it bulks up. And, and I mean, Kyle does that all the time. You know, it might bulk yeah. up a bit of mass there because, you know, when someone goes, oh, I've got 120 layers of Damascus here, like, you're grinding a lot of stuff off and this and that. It's, it's, it's never what you started with. It, it, okay, it's about, and yep. you, you're sort of trying to get an idea, but because it's being manipulated so often and changing, the, the layer count's going up and down as you, as you change everything. So it's, Yeah, and I mean, you can even,
0: even with straight layer Damascus, like your general random pattern, uh, I sent a billet to Alex recently, um, and it's literally, you know, mostly 32 mil, 1084 and and 15 and 20, with a couple of big pieces of... 6 uh, mil, 1084 in there, just to yeah. break up the pattern a little bit, and that immediately Best makes... Best birthday present I ever got, <laughs> sorry, I gotta keep shouting that out. No, no, but, you totally. know, like, even, even that breaks up the pattern and makes it something unique. Like, it doesn't have to be super detailed or super, like, you know, complicated to make a pattern look unique and, and kind of special. Um, you can do stuff with relatively low-layer uh, Damascus that'll make it look amazing, uh, it all just comes down to how you play with like the the contrast
1: and the textures. Exactly, and just I mean we mentioned Mareko, but Jackson Rumble, you know, mm. um, you know mm. he's he's probably the, the the premier Damascus maker in Australia. And I know there's a few guys doing it, but you know he won the Kessler Award for best journeyman Smith knives when I was over at Blade Show, and you know he just he's he's on it. He's on the money. So, and he's such a nice guy. You know, um, I don't think he's working at Tharwa Valley anymore. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I just, I heard a rumour that he got... And again, I might be saying something out of order there. I just heard something that he might have got a job somewhere else, but... Okay. Again, I could be wrong. So, um... And
0: if you want to find Jackson, I actually used him as my inspiration of the week a couple of weeks back. So you can find him on our Instagram posts on the Forgecast
2: page. Um, Yeah, there you go. And, um... Well, I, I will roll us into our next question, if that's okay. Yeah, alright. go for it, man. Uh, it's from Graham Van, Graham Van Houten, and he says, Hey, guys, first off, love the show. I've been following you guys for most of my three-year journey into our craft and was beyond pleased that you gave me a shout-out in the Pipe Tomahawk Winners episode. I started the contest with only a couple of weeks left. I missed the first few episodes. Bad podcast fan, bad <laughs> And did so knowing that I had a slim chance of finishing it all, so it was awesome to get a little bit of praise from you guys and really appreciate the feedback that you guys gave me. I wanted to clarify that the bowl of my pipe didn't break off like you mentioned. I know it looks like that in the photo. I just tapped out because I'm old and cranky up <laughs> at 9pm. Aren't we all? My plan was to thread the bowl and have a removable screw-on bowl in the event that I feel like throwing it. Mm. I fully intend to see this project through and will be sharing the process as I go. I've got some plans to try out engraving, have my eye on some curly maple, and maybe trying coal-rosing on the handle. Coal-rosing, yeah. I'm not sure what that is. You'll have to enlighten me.
0: Uh, It's a Um, form of, like, scrimshaw, kind of.
2: All right. He says, on that topic, I wanted to ask if you guys could weigh in on the topic of deadlines. Do you find them motivating or stressful? A lot of my personal projects get put to the side when I have a deadline and I'm not the best at time management. Being the experienced Smiths that you are, debatable, uh, do you have any abandoned or permanently benched projects and your thoughts on perhaps being overambitious as a novice? When is ambition good or bad, uh, a good or bad thing? Thanks again for the shout out. Made my week to hear my handle on the airwaves. Sincerely, Graham Van Houten. Thank
0: you, Graham and thank you for your entry thank you for the clarification it was a very cool build i'm sorry that we misinterpreted what was going on but that does sound like a cool idea um yeah but uh
2: so, i, I if, if i don't have a deadline I, I can tend to wander. um the perfectionist in me makes me want to sort of reduce things down to too many small steps and iterations and things and I've been known to uh, get my ass into gear only when given a deadline. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm with you, mate. I'm, I'm much the
0: same. Yeah.
2: I, like, these two daggers,
0: like, they they were commissioned with the idea of, like, make them when you make them, right? But the thing is that it's never make them when you make them because, like, you, you give it a couple of years and they're going to be like, where where is it? <laughs> yeah. But the problem That's is it. that without that deadline, you, you start to feel like you can just get away with it or, like, you know, there are other things that... Become
2: more urgent in the moment. Um, I have to say though, while they are effective, I hate deadlines. As one of the reasons that I've kept my books closed, I I, I like working on things that I want to work with. Um, that's just for fun because they tend to. If I'm just making something that's not for a specific person or for a specific thing, it will reach its natural conclusion in my mind. I'll get it to a point where I'm ready to release it, and that that just happens naturally. But if I'm making it for someone. I never feel ready to give it to them. Yeah.
0: I think my my biggest mistake is taking more than one commission at a time. Um, yeah. Like, if, if I was to take a single commission with a deadline, then I would be able to complete that commission and then take another commission. But the problem was that when I started out as a Bladesmith and when I started out full-time, I figured I needed to take as many as I could in order to guarantee income. But what that meant was that then I had to prioritize jobs... And the guys that said, oh, you know, take your time on it or whatever, I would put those at the back of the list, and the list would grow ever longer of people who had deadlines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Um, And so, like, if I was to start taking commissions again, which I don't plan on doing, because I want to go back to making stuff that I want to make on my own time, um, much like Alex has done, because I hate deadlines. (laughs) Like, I hate them so much. They give me so much anxiety. It makes my life hell. And I find that my work suffers because I'm rushing. Yeah. Like, I'm one of those kids that used to, like, study for the test the night before. And I tend to be that in a maker. So, you know, like, if I have a deadline, I'll leave it until the week before the bloody things due, And I'll be working 24-hour days.
1: My pipe hawk.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And and so, like, it, it means that my work suffers. And it means that that means that my... Um, customer suffers because they get a subpar piece because I was rushing in that last
2: minute to get the deadline done Um, or even if it's not subpar it ends up being something that you personally as an artist are not happy with and that can be just as damaging
0: yeah you see stuff that you're like oh man if I only had a couple more days I could fix this but I don't have a couple more days
2: (laughs) and you know what the worst thing is if you drag something out and this is something from a, a quote unquote experience maker as somebody writing in that is asking the, my opinion mm. if you drag something out long enough you will increase in skill during the duration of that build <laughs> and by the end of it you will see all of the things that you can now do better and you'll just want to eternally start again mm. on this thing it will kill you inside well, so don't don't let a project drag that i
1: off. can add to that like that pipe hook that i completed was the fifth or sixth attempt yep. and the things that you guys pointed out were things that i weren't wasn't happy with the fact that it wasn't a traditional shape this that and the other and i would have remade it except that i was on the last day still handstand you- like like i got <laughs> to that morning and like i've got to make a handle i can't remake this pipe yep. up again we gave you an extra month. I, I you know, and I left
3: it to the last minute. <laughs> well, it,
1: and, and I've got to say it, that I was like going, "I'm trying to get this power habit going, so this will be easier." <laughs> and I'll tell you what, most of it was hand forged. I tell you. So, but hey,
0: like you turned in a a, a finished piece, and that's that's what's important, really. Yeah, uh, especially. But, but, but if I, I had another
1: day, that head wouldn't have it would have been another wrought iron Damascus <laughs> yeah. bit, but it would have been better. Like like I said. I have a pile of them on my floor where the eyes just ripped out because the, the rot just got too hot and, mm. you know. And yeah, I punching, started, I started making them plan. out of 1084 and putting, you know, carbon steel bits in and then Damascus bits in and going, that's the one I'm going to use. And I'm like, I've still got time. I'll make another rort one. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? like But I think the deadline was good because it kept pushing me. Mm. But still, it would have been better if I had more time. But yeah. I could have started... To it, two months earlier, and maybe had another, you know, six weeks of making iterations. There might have been 20 sitting on the ground before I was happy, but yeah. you know what I mean? I, I still but, left it to the last second. Yeah, and that, that comes down to time management, really. And I'm terrible
0: at time management, so, like, I can't I can't talk to that. But, um, yeah, my advice to younger me who started taking commissions would be don't. Um, real, yeah. Realistically, it's a hole that you can't get out of. Because once you start taking commissions, you feel like you can't stop taking commissions because you're like, oh, I've already taken this guy's commission, so what, what right do I have to not take this guy's commission? And then you'll get someone who comes up with a really cool idea that you're like, I really want to make that. But then you realize that you're going to have to make it.
2: <laughs> even, even if it's you, you take away all the complexity and, and various reasons for it, don't take commissions because you should be making things that you're enjoying making. And it's easy to say, oh, but they're asking me to make something I'll enjoy that's a cool project or something, but it's still coming from outside. Mm. Just build things that come out of your own mind, your own soul, your own love of the craft, and you will have much better time of it. And if during the build process people start showing interest in it, then you can put them down as, you know, first right of refusal, put them on the dibs list for it. Um, and you can sell things that way because then at least it's come from a place of passion for the craft, which is Im- it's so important. Yeah. I can't overstate how important it yeah. is. And that
0: work, that work in progress photos thing is really important. Um, I, I'm terrible. I only post finished work. Uh, um, <laughs> and so I don't have anyone looking at the build kind of going, ooh, I'm really interested in this. I just post up a finished piece and then it's gone. And so unless the person who really would have bought it if they'd seen it ...sees that post of the finished piece, they
2: don't see it at all. And social media is not great at being consistent with showing people your post. No, producing.
0: so, and yeah, the, at the end of the day, there are guys who've made it work, like Kyle Royer. He only does commission work. And that's because he requires the the layout from the, the commissioner to purchase the materials. Because he's using, like, 24-karat gold and stuff like that, mammoth ivory, ridiculously expensive materials... <laughs>
2: Unless he decides to drop five hunters um, on people. And then, and then it's like throwing a it's like, it's like throwing a handful of blueberries into a chicken coop. Yeah, like. I mean,
0: Kyle could get away with not doing commission work these days. Like, I don't think mm. Kyle will ever not sell a knife. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he likes taking commission work, and that's the way he works. But um, from the majority of the people I've spoken to, both, you know, like, full-time professionals who've been doing this for 20 years and guys who've just started out, like myself... Um, the majority of people will say commissions suck. (laughs)
3: Um,
0: but yeah, so like, I don't know, go with what you think is best, but I'm going to tell you don't do it.
2: As for projects that have been permanently benched or at least, you know, temporarily permanently, you know, the things that we hope that we'll get to, um, I, I have a bad habit of starting something that I know that I don't know how to do in an effort to try and figure (laughs) out how to do it and then get about two-thirds of the way through it before I realize that due to inexperience, I stuffed up something crucial at the beginning that's now made the entire thing FUBAR Mm. that I couldn't see early on. Um, But I I have a lot of those sitting around. But the only project that I've got on my bench that would still work, that I haven't quite yet figured out, is I really wanted to make a folding mushroom knife that one end was the blade that would fold in and the other end was the brush. (laughs) kind of like a tra- like a trapper or yeah. something except the brush would be at one end and while it seems like it would be simple in concept actually executing in a way that is actually ends up with a comfortable knife um, is something that has been on my bench now for about 14 15 months well
0: yeah, i mean my my perfect example is the both these dagger commissions that have been on my bench for 6 months and the Viking sword. And the problem with the Viking sword was, like, I started that commission, I forged the blade out in the first week after I took the commission, and then it took me three months to build the kiln to freaking heat treat it. Then it took me three months to actually build up the courage to grind on this damn thing, because, you know, I'd never ground something, A, that long, and B, that complex, because it's got a very large, wide, fuller, and it's 240 layers of Damascus. <laughs> you know, like, it's, you know, it's no simple thing. And now I'm, I'm hemming and whoring over, do I forge the guard fittings or do I hand sand the blade? Or, and I freeze up with all of the stuff that I'm supposed to do to this thing, and so I end up putting it off, because I'm like, I don't have a deadline, so I can leave it until I feel more confident. But I never feel more confident. <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, I sneak in, complete an entire Viking sword build, and then yeah. leave. I mean, I think I took the,
0: the commission for my sword before you took the commission for yours. and you I'm did. like yeah. yeah. That's right. It was about two weeks before I got My on. blade hasn't even hand-sanded <laughs> yet. <laughs> so yeah, like, again, it's one of those things where if I had a deadline for the sword, I'd probably get it finished sooner, but I would, oh, you'd I would also yeah. cut a lot of corners, because I'd be like, I need to get this done now, um... So yeah, I don't I don't know that uh, that commissioning in general is a good idea, especially because it can I think cause it's the
2: artist's curse.
0: Well, it, yeah, especially because it also can cause uh, income problems. Like when you've got if you, if you take a deposit, then you feel obligated, even if there is no deadline, you feel obligated to get it done because this person has already laid out money for it, and so therefore you feel obligated. And then when you do anything else with your time, you feel like you're wasting that person's time because they've already paid for it. Um, and if you don't take a deposit, then you're worried that if you finish the piece and they don't want it, you've got this thing that you can't sell because it's a custom piece. Um, so yeah, it's just a nightmare.
1: I think on that one though, Sam, yeah. that again, I've taken a few commissions over the years and again, I exactly what you guys are saying, freaking out, not doing, you know, like you get that whole... I guess, imposter syndrome where you, you don't think you're mm-hmm. doing it good enough. But if you were to just set aside, say, Fridays, on Friday, I'm just doing commissioning work, like commissioned work and nothing else. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, you're doing hammers, you're doing whatever, gravers, you're doing all that other stuff. But on Friday, I'm only working on commission work. And that way, every week, you, you're making progress on that list. Mm. And,
2: guaranteed as soon as you do that though everybody and their mums are going to start trying to book things with you on friday <laughs> and things are going to start coming up on friday and events are going to happen you're going to injure yourself every friday hey. like it's just yeah. friday <laughs> yeah i don't on,
0: on that subject like we, we'll move away from that for now hopefully that answered your question graham uh, i think it was graham right it yeah, was there graham. my memory's not that bad um, but I, I did want to round out this whole uh, episode, because we're getting up, we're, we're past the hour mark now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, wa- I wanted to touch quickly, because uh, as, as Jamie mentioned earlier in the episode, he ended up copying an injury, unfortunately, uh, during a, a knife build, and it, it was doing something that all of us do. I, myself, am guilty of it. I, I know Alex has probably done it. <laughs> we all do it. Uh, and we, uh, Jamie and, uh, and we were talking about this before the show in that we, we take those risks in the shop and nine times out of 10, nothing bad happens. But when it, something bad does happen, it can put you out of service for a while. And I just kind of wanted to get Jamie's, uh, thoughts on his experience with that and try and, you know, hammer it home for the listeners at home who are kind of like, yeah, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah. So, uh, just, you want me to talk at, at, at my hand injury that I had. Yeah, yeah. So so last last week I was um, we we're doing a, a destruction test challenge. So I made a made a cookery and heat treated it. Did all the stuff. Drilled the handle. Uh, sorry, drilled the holes in the in the tang, uh, being a full tang. And then um, I was just going to clean up the tang on the belts on the on the grinder. And then I got into it and I started. You know grinding the profile and i started grinding the bevels and i'm just getting i'm in the zone i'm just grinding grinding, grinding grinding and then i went oh i didn't do the the handle scales i'll just go over to the drill and just drill the holes out and so i put the clamped all the handle scales on did the first holes you know uh pin holes through and i was doing a big big lanyard you know hole and 12 and a half mil drill bit so what's mm-hmm. that nearly nearly half half inch and, yeah yeah and then um, and then flipped it over on the other side you know clamped the other one on and this was the, the the edge blade edge was in the palm of my hand and and I'm drilling the 12 mil and it got to the end and the as I went through the g10 scale it kicked up and grabbed onto the hardened steel and and just you know the blade took off and because I was holding it like really tight it just sliced into my palm and that was it. And the the blade only moved through thirty degrees. Yeah. And it's and it stopped against a metal column that's in my workshop. It didn't stop on the the post of the drill press. Uh, if it had stopped on the post of the drill press, I would have lost fingers. No. So I'm pretty lucky. Uh, and it jammed up. It stalled the the drill. Um. But as I pull my hand away now, if this had been a, a bad cut, I would have just super glued it and electrical tape and kept working. <laughs> That's not so, what we advise, so you? <laughs> the, you know what, for sure, but that's what I would have done. Yeah. This was this was in and out the other side of my palm and, you know, meat flapping in the breeze and nastiness. And, and when I sort of did that, the, I think my, my, my missus said the first thing she heard me yell out was hospital now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, with the whole COVID lockdown thing, the hospital was just a disaster. Even to the point where the bloody security guard, my missus was trying to hand me my AirPods, and he knocked knocked them out of her hand onto the ground, and they scattered everywhere. And he gave me my AirPod case, and six hours later, I realised that I didn't have my AirPods anymore. So five hundred bucks worth of AirPods gone, just because yeah, you know, just because he was being a dickhead, or because I wanted to sit down before I fell down, and he mm-hmm. was like, "You've got to follow the protocol." I'm like. I'm 130 kilos, mate, you you, you at 70 are going to be able to pick me up off the ground, you know, like, come on, you know, anyway, so that was a bit exciting, but, um, but needless to say, uh, stop at Wyong Hospital, they juice me up with all the good stuff, you know, uh, poking and prodding in my hand, and then they tape me back together, um, Got me an appointment at uh, the near nearest regional hospital, which was sort of 40 minutes south at Gosford, and then that within that, like within an hour, that got changed to to Royal North Shore where the hand clinic was, mm-hmm. because the guys there just discussed it and they just went, no, we're gonna get the experts on it, and I went went down there and so within 24 hours they operated on me and patched back together skin grafts and. This that and the other, and I've had a look at it, and it's um, well, that's pretty gruesome, you know. And it's lot, lots of stitches and this that and the other. It it's together and it's healing, and and so good prognosis. And I still have all my fingers, and they all still work, and I'm very lucky. Yeah, and I it, mean, like recovery time cut, is gonna cut be... in a corner. And and the dumb thing was, I moved the clamp off my bloody drill press <laughs> to put the thing on there. To like, I put a block of timber in there, and, it, and the drill press clamp was in the road, and I moved it. When I could have just gone, yeah, just clamp it on, you know, like just so many things that I could. And and I've had people go, you know, you really should clamp those things down. I'm like, really? You really want to give me that advice? Like you want to put salt in my wounds right at the moment. Like (laughs) of all people, I realize I made a massive mistake and I'm paying for it through my uh, injury. And I do understand, but we all do it. You just go, oh, hang on to it.
2: That's it. How and many the times you are... drilled
1: something and it's pulled out of your hands, you go, ooh, that was close, you know?
2: I call it the helicopter of doom. Yeah. That's the
1: thing, and I'm just lucky it wasn't a helicopter, it just, but again, it, it, it the blade was too sharp for what I was doing, and yeah. I just didn't think about it, and I just missed a step, I just got into grinding, and I'm like, yeah, grinding, and, awesome.
0: And sometimes it doesn't even have to be a sharp blade, like I, I, um, I split my thumb through the nail, through the end, like turned it into a snake tongue. Uh, with a piece of sheet metal once on a drill,
2: yeah, but thin one mil brass yeah. is lethal. Some of the worst. Yeah.
0: And but this is the thing, like, and and those guys that are telling you, oh, you should have clamped that down, they've probably done this kind of shit themselves. Like, you know, <laughs> nearly everyone who's run a drill press that I know has tried to freehand drill something because it's like, oh, I don't want to have to bother with the the drill what? press vice. I don't want to have to bother with the clamps. I just need to drill this hole real quick. It's not going to be an issue.
1: Well, I've got three of those vice grip clamps for yep. a good reason because I yeah. learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and and it's just it's. It, but again, I, I it was the idiot of the week award because I moved the clamp out of the road. Like yeah. it's just I, I should have known better. It should have been telling me in the back of my mind, don't move the clamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like you know,
0: and and nine times out of ten you'd have been fine. Like you know, exactly. It's it's like driving without your seatbelt. Most of the time, you're not going to get into a crash, but when you do, <laughs> like exactly. you know,
1: it's... so so having having a horrible experience and um, seeing parts of myself detached that I didn't really want to see like that. It uh, again, well, my fingers work. Th- th- I may have nerve damage and a bit of loss of sensation on the palm of my hand, but everything's still there. And, and given a bit of rehab and a bit of physio. Everything's probably going to be close to to back to to where I was before. So, thankfully, something bad's happened. Hopefully, someone can learn from that and go, you know what, maybe I'll clamp things down.
0: Yeah, and and this isn't, like, this, this section isn't to give you shit or go, like, hey, look what an idiot Jamie is. This is literally just pointing out that one little, like, moment of not thinking in the shop can lead to a life-altering, like, you know, if, if, if it hadn't have been for the slice in your palm, like, I'm really glad that it's not as severe as it could have been, but like you said, you could have lost fingers, and that's literally life-altering, that's, that is changing
1: everything you do. Well, it's, it's bad enough that, um, you know, with the brace that I've got, I've got a, a thumb and forefinger, and, and it was plaster out of the surgery, so I had a thumb, and I was using the edge of the plaster to grip things, just mm. to help, you can't even pull your pants up, and things like that, yeah. it's just... It, and it's just like, from one day to the next, you you, you know you go to the bathroom and then you like you need someone to help you pull your pants up. and It's just like, well, <laughs> this is kind of different, isn't it? You know, like yeah. And, 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 and it was and and like you say, ten seconds on the drill press and that's it. It's, life's changed. And again, I hopefully hope. in six weeks' time, I'm back to normal again and, and everything's good. And you know, and and again, it's looking like it will be, but you know what if all my fingers had been on the ground maybe they could have reattached them maybe they couldn't
3: Mm.
1: you know like and it could have it could have been and I only just moved that drill press two weeks ago to put the power hammer in so it wouldn't have been next to that column if I hadn't put the power hammer in so it may have chopped all my fingers off you know what I mean like
2: yeah I hope I hope Bjorn's listening to this so that he can hear just how committed you are to the destruction. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the ultimate destruction, mate. Personal Blood, destruction. Yeah, right through your hand. Blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> in the most literal sense.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. That's
0: it. So, but yeah, no, this is this is for our listeners. Like you're all of us out there that are listening to this show probably do cavalier stuff like this, and we're not just talking about drill presses. We're talking about all the machinery in our shop. We all take like, you know, short roads on stuff. We all, you know, oh, I just need to grind this for a second. I don't need to put my glasses on. I'm one really bad for that. Uh, oh. Caitlin from Ouroboros Armoury calls me out all
1: the time uh, for not doing that, but... And that's the thing, mate. I'm a tradie. Work, I, right? I grew up with safety, 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 right? And, mm. you know, I wear the glasses and the ear protection, but I'm still deaf as a post, and I've worn hearing protection my whole life because it's not when I'm wearing hearing protection and I'm doing something loud... It's the guy next to me cutting aluminium on a drop saw yeah. that doesn't care. He's not wearing hearing protection. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make a loud noise. He just cuts it and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, 20% down on my hearing after listening to him all day, you know, and, 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 and the damage is real, you know, like, but you get these old guys that are out of Croatia or Bosnia or somewhere that just tell you you're soft because you're not putting up with the, the, the hearing damage. You're just like, Yeah, no, but I'm I'm permanently maimed now. Thanks, mate, you know, like
0: Yeah, how how dare you want to hear things? Like that's terrible. So unmanly of you to want to hear. Oh, but that's what they're like.
2: Oh I know. They say you're not hard and you say what? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like and, and
0: this is the thing, taking care of ourselves is one of the most important things uh, that we can do in the shop because if we're not if we're not happy and healthy, we can't do the stuff we love. And Like, a lot of the people listening to the show aren't blacksmiths full-time. And if you damage yourself, like Jamie has done, um, and you have a full-time job, especially one that involves using your hands, you haven't only lost your hobby. You've lost your wages for that six weeks. Now, hopefully you live in a country where, you know, um, sick leave and stuff like that is a thing, but some people don't. And that can be, like... Really, really bad. So for so many more reasons than just the injury, um, and so you know, like it, it's important for us to kind of like hammer that home. We don't want to hear you guys getting put out of uh, of service or out of commission like that, um, because you know we want the whole community to be healthy and and be doing what they love. That's why we're here. Um, but oh, yeah, that's I'd-
1: it, mate. Let's I table. do
0: appreciate you being uh, willing to share the story, Jamie, because, like, you know, it's it's never fun, and I'm really glad that you're going to be, you know, like, healing up really well, and I'm looking forward to seeing you back in the shop uh, as soon as is physically possible.
2: Maybe um, he'll be in the shop catching up on the Forgecast challenge. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, when is it due? I'll probably leave it to the last day anyway. So. Well, the, the current month's challenge is going until the 31st of this month. Um, I already no. know what I'm going to make
1: out of that bolt, mate, but I just—I yeah. don't know whether I'm going to be allowed to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just get someone else to hold the tongs for you. Yeah, uh, so you swing the hammer. Yeah, Jamie. as Jamie has pointed out, this, this month's Forgecast Challenge is to make something cool out of a bolt. And it doesn't matter how big or small the bolt is, we just want to see where it is and uh, show us by using uh, posting about it and using it, the hashtag... Hashtag Forgecast Challenge. So we want to see. this. There's no prizes this time. This is just for your own benefit to, to see, test yourself, see what you can do. Uh, but there will be another competition coming up after the end Very of this soon. month.
1: Well, I've got to say, I've got to appreciate it because that pie pork that I made that absolutely pushed me to my limits of my forging ability. That's what I like to hear. And, <laughs> That's what... and it, um, like I said, at least five or six attempts at it and... Again, I went over the top. wrought Iron, Damascus, you know, it, but
3: you've
2: got to be in it to have a bit of fun with it. So, well, that's you know. right. I mean, that's why we do these challenges and competitions It's to, to prove to you what you're capable of. Even if you don't succeed, the act of going through the process of attempting it can usually reveal things about yourself that you didn't even know.
0: And it teaches you stuff. Like, you know, you'll learn. Like if you're using materials that you haven't worked with a lot before, you're going to learn how to use that material. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's a learning experience
2: more than anything. Oh, yeah. Rort makes me think I don't know what the hell I'm doing with a, with a forge. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I tried hot forging brass for the first time. I'd done a lot of cold work uh, with yeah. brass before, but hot forging brass, I, had, I, I shouted what the F more times than I think <clears> I've <throat> ever done in a session of making something before, and it was only about an hour long lots of puddles Uh no it was just sort of it just acts weird it ended up yeah, in a puddle that's where i finally crumbles. gave up but yeah, up until that over. point it's like crumbling here or splattering there or yeah. still being hard or it, just it, if
1: you like that challenge maritime bronze is is actually forgeable and but gives you all of those challenges that you just faced mm-hmm. then you can actually get it out and it's quite an extraordinary substance to use if you can get your hands on a bit of maritime bronze it's what they used to make the old cannons out of but um yeah i think you can find it as a as a bearing like a a bearing steel Oh, sorry bearing bearing sleeve yeah but yeah if you get maritime bronze yeah it's it's quite an extraordinary thing to to forge with yeah um, i'm 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 looking for way way more
0: forgiving than brass Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with the piece of aluminium bronze that uh, Rob from Hammer and Scale sent me. That stuff is super forgeable. um,
1: And also water hardening, funnily enough. Uh, It's a very strange alloy. Um, But that's a strange one. 316, everyone goes, you can't forge it, but you can. But it's mm. one of those things that you heat it up cherry red and then you dip it in water to anneal it so you can start Mm -hmm. working it the weirdest thing because it goes against every grain of everything you've ever learned and yet that's how it works and if you don't it just crumbles and breaks Mm. you know yeah it's uh but there's a guy in France that forges out of 316 stainless uh, surgical equipment and he does one off surgical equipment people Mm. come surgeons come to him and go we've got to do this thing and pull this tumour out of a guy with the stuff and they'll draw a picture of what they need and he just forges it up and gets it going and Hmm. Or at a cool. 316. So it's definitely forgeable. Mm, All right. There
0: you go. Well, if well, you have any questions...
2: Yeah, if you have any questions you want to send us an email or, or message us, uh, hit us up on social media, slide into our DMs, uh, mm. or send us an email to ask.forgecast at gmail.com. Jamie, thanks so much for coming onto the show. My pleasure. Hopefully it was an um, a, a okay consolation prize.
1: Oh, no, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Sam and I um, still feel guilty about
2: yours. the chopsticks. Well, sorry, what was that?
1: Sam and I still feel guilty about the chopsticks. Oh, look, you know, I, I, I just I just missed out. It, it is what it is. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, just, just before we go, um, Wayne, one of the winners of the, the pipe Pork Challenge, has actually um, donated his prize to me.
2: Because oh, my- he was um he won Wayne, uh, Ryan's wood giveaway on, on the live stream that Ryan did. Yeah, right. So he's he's
1: given me his hotway fiddleback prize. What a legend. Just to uh you know like again, I appreciate it, but it's like I got the idiot of the week award and chopped my hand up and he's given me a prize <laughs> to do it. So um, probably Wayne, Wayne shouldn't is reward me for, for my stupidity, but
2: thank you very much. It's classic uh, Wayne. It this is. Is what This is what Wayne does. I've heard that several times. <laughs> he is a gentleman. If they want to find
0: so, you anywhere, Jamie, if they want to see what you're up to, keep up with,
1: uh, with what you're getting up to lately, where can they find you? Okay, so I am... Uh, Sausage Man Forge on Instagram. I'm Jamie Bishop on Facebook. Sausage Man Forge on... Uh, oh, sausagemanforge.com on my website. And Sausage Man Forge on the old TikToks. Oh, there you go. But I don't get on there much because they don't like <laughs> knives and it makes, no. makes makes the baby Jesus cry, apparently. That's right.
2: <laughs> <what I'm... laughs> so they yes. yes. So yes. do nails. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh.
2: and spears yeah, that's,
1: that's a bit of a stigmata right there mate oh yeah man so
0: that's a bit of a thorny issue to be honest um. that's right <laughs> anyway we're crowning now let's uh <laughs> where can they find you Alex
2: I go by Valhalla Ironworks. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, Etsy, Redbubble, Patreon. Oh, everywhere. I'm like a bad smell. You can't get rid of me. What about you, Sam?
0: You can find me at Sam Towns Bladesmith on all of those platforms. Mentioned, Twitch, and all that kind of stuff. I'm also in the kitchen sink. <laughs> uh, comes sometimes.
2: You're you're in Steve's kitchen sink. No, I'm definitely in Steve's
0: kitchen sink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that being said, I hope you have a fantastic week, guys. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.